welcome to episode nine of MBCHS Over Coffee. And wow, uh, do we have a treat in store for this episode. Right across the table from me is our friend, Rochelle Bullerwell. Welcome, Rochelle. Thank you. And as I think about the first time I met Rochelle, um, I think when I first started here at MBCHS, uh, I was coaching junior football. And uh, I was coaching with a gentleman named Lloyd Bullerwell, who is a fantastic individual, if you know Lloyd. Um, and so I remember obviously getting to know Lloyd and getting along with Lloyd as I was coaching football with him. And uh, I'm sure that my next step, once I learned that, hey, Mrs. Bullerwell uh, is at school, I'm sure I tapped you on the shoulder at some point and asked you, if, hey, are you related to Lloyd? And uh, yeah, what a fantastic guy too. I think he teaches grade two at Connaught School yes, right now. Yeah. So that's fantastic. But he's my little brother-in-law. Little brother-in-law. <laughs> so if you don't know Lloyd, he is a former Husky football player, a big giant of a man who is uh, got a heart probably twice the size Absolutely. of himself. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, and that I guess is like a family trait because I definitely sense from you, Rochelle. <laughs> that you have a massive heart as well. Uh, I think you're one of the most approachable people um, that I've met. Not that we don't have a ton of them at school, obviously, but just you just have this gentleness and just a welcoming spirit to yourself. Very easy to talk to. Um, you know, we haven't talked that much in depth mm -hmm. in, our, in, in my time at school, but it's just so easy. Like this, even preparation for the podcast, just so easy. And uh, it was easy to, to tap you on the shoulder and ask you to be a guest, and I'm so excited to do that. So let's begin. Okay. How long have you been at NBCHS? Holy moly, um, 17 years. <laughs> 17 years. <laughs> wow. So you've been through a lot too. You've seen, uh, yes, you've seen lots. That's, yeah, we're, that's 17 years at NBCHS. There's a few principals that have gone through. A few principals. So was it Al Gabert when you started? Yes. Okay. Yes, it was. And then Lyndon Heineman. Okay. And then... Michael? Uh, Bruce. Yeah. yeah. Bruce Friesen, thank you. And then, who's now? Now it's Jay. That's Jay. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So, excellent. So, 17 years ago would put us at, oh man, fast oh. math, not my strong suit. 2000, like, or 2004? Okay. 2004. Oh, oh, the math teachers are laughing right now. I think I that can sounds hear them. right. <laughs> <laughs> I think that sounds right. Sounds good. Uh, and... So how long then, 17 years at NBCHS, how long have you been an EA for? Since 1996. 1996. Yeah, that was my first first position as an EA was in 1996. Okay, so that's 26 years ago. Oh, man. Wow, that's fantastic. So you are a pro. Like, you, you, you have that... Uh, kind of aura of a, of a pro, eh, but it, you come by it honestly because you've been in it It's so just life experience. Long. Yeah, that's exactly, <laughs> wow. that's it. That's fantastic. Um, okay, so tell us a little bit about, I guess, your career mm -hmm. journey. Where Let's maybe start uh, in 1996, your first EA Yeah, gig. I was at Connaught. Connaught. I got hired at Connaught. Okay. Joe Francu was the principal, and I uh, got hired for a student that was in kindergarten. Okay. And at that time, you were hired for a student. Okay. You were not hired for a classroom or a school. Sure. You were hired because that student was designated as needing an EA. Okay. So I was at Connaught uh, and then moved to Brady with the student because okay. they moved to Brady. Wow. Their parents wanted her, uh, wanted them to be at Brady. And then their family moved to Saskatoon. So I 
reapplied for positions that were available back to Connaught. Okay. They knew me and they were yeah. happy, I guess. Um, I was at Connaught for a little while and then Lyndon Nelson was the student services teacher, special ed teacher they called them then, yeah. and she had said, Rochelle, I want you to apply for this job. Kate McCarg was the student services head of the school division at that time. Okay. And Kate wanted to implement a structured success program for students in kindergarten, grade one, and grade two. They had an older program. It was running in Battleford, Battleford Central. Okay. But they hadn't had a new, uh, a younger one. And Linda Nelson said, I want you to apply. I want you to come with me. Okay. So it was a behavior uh, modification program and it was play-based. And so you lure them in with play okay. stations. They would do a few minutes, literally even of work. Like sometimes the first hook was literally, they picked up a pencil. Absolutely fantastic, you're ready to go play. Let's go play. <laughs> and they would have different stations they could choose from. And then as they developed those skills, they worked longer okay. and they worked longer and they worked longer until they could do 20 minutes at a time and have only a three minute break to play. Okay. Half an hour at a time and maybe only a quick conversation they're back to work. So that was the goal. Sure. So I stayed there um, at Lawrence. Uh, Glenn Leesk was the principal there. All right. And ended up on a mat leave, had the first child, came back to Lawrence and then ended up on a mat leave for child two and it was April. and. The principal, Glenn Leesk, I think, who's still there at the time, he said, hey, Rochelle, for continuity with the students, they've had a sub, basically, for almost a year. A year, it was a year. Do you think you could finish off uh, these last four months at another school, and then you can come back in the fall, and it's a brand new start for those? Continuity was a huge issue, right? Sure. I said, absolutely, what do you need? And he said, look, the comp is having students from Centennial Park come over to transition. So what we need is this. We need someone to drive the white handy bus, go grab some students, bring them over to the comp, they transition, transition, you go with them to some classes, and then you take them back to Centennial Park. And I said, that's, sure, I can do that. I was driving a Suburban at the time. I already was driving a Land Tank. I had no <laughs> hesitations about driving the handy when, bus. Uh, Absolutely. gas was 65 cents oh a liter. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was so cheap. Um, so I did that, and then I got to the comp, and I really liked it. So I stayed. I, they said, there's a position available, it's full, do you want to stay at the comp? And I said, I kind of do. So I made my apologies to Linda, <laughs> <laughs> and stayed, and I've been at the comp ever since. Okay, Yeah, that's excellent. Uh, then prior to being in EA in 96, mm -hmm. and, uh, did you have any other jobs kind of out of high school? Out of I did, so I graduated in 1990. <clears throat> for the students that want to know, that's the first picture of graduates on the hallway downstairs by Mr. Rivet's Okay, so you graduated from the comp in 1990. 1990. Wow. Um, yes. So is your picture there? Yes. So this is on the record. <laughs> it is. Your picture is there. Oh my gosh, I've heard the students, yes, mullets were big for the guy. Yes, the girls had the largest hair. It was like a, a job. You had to work to get hair that big. Perms were involved. <laughs> Oh my goodness, so that was 1990. Okay. Um, I uh, worked here in town a bit, worked in Saskatoon for a bit, and then I took a job overseas for a year, working for a family in England, actually. Wow. So I took care of some children in England. Uh, Whereabouts in England? 
Uh, in the right in the Midlands. So do you know where Stratford? I'll say yes, Stratford I, upon Arden is. Been there. Okay, been there. so it, there's a little tiny village called Henley and Arden that okay. was just outside of that. Sure. And they were on a farm there, and uh, I took care of their kids, but it was excruciatingly familiar and different at the same time. Okay. So I had never been there before, but England felt like home. Yeah. It felt really good to be there. Yeah. But also incredibly different so different to be there okay so very different but i enjoyed my time yeah came back and worked at uh edward society which is uh, a group home at the time it was for patients that were at had been at sask hospital were ready to leave but they weren't stable enough yet to go live in a private group home with families okay so it was a, a transitional house sure a transi- yeah. and it was run like a home yeah. um so you dealt with people that had a lot of mental health issues, yeah. but were able to be out of SAS Hospital. Yeah. And I did that. And then I went to school. Okay. Then I went to school. Yeah. Okay, wow. Um, and so I guess a theme that I'm seeing already here is just the theme of care, I guess. Pretty um, much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously easy to sense that when, when you're around you. Um, but it's easy, easy, interesting to get the backstory on that too because mm. you see that theme of care um, all the way through. Do you, Where do you think you inherited that from? Or do you think is that something that's just kind of unique to how you were born? Or? No, it's there's a lot of caring, very caring and demonstrative people and very much a family of women who take care of it and okay. take care of things. Okay. So teachers in the family mm-hmm. and people who were always relatives who would always work in jobs that were oh let's be someone who works as a physiotherapist let's be someone who works in psych nursing let's be someone who works in nursing let's be someone who works um, with uh, banking facilities helping families so it was always there it yeah. was there okay. and very much an awareness of what you can do makes a difference so maybe let's even take uh, the next step back. Mm-hmm. In saying, where were you born and raised? Given that you graduated from NBCHS, were you born and raised there? <laughs> no. Okay. So I actually say, I say my roots are down by Esther Hazy. Do you know where that is? Uh, yes. Melville Yorkton-ish area. Yeah, okay. okay. So Esther Crazy for us locals. Um, <laughs> that's where my grandparents were. Both sets of grandparents. Okay. So they were on farms outside of Esther Hazy um, by Bangor. Okay. okay. Shout out to those Bangor people that know where that is. My family moved a lot. So I was born in Lustra, okay. didn't stay there. We moved. So <laughs> I have to prepare myself. Moostra, Waldron, which is a little tiny hamlet by Esther Hazy and Melville. Okay. Porcupine Plains, Kelleher, Melville, Regina, Battleford, North Battleford. So that's eight that I that I lived in. Okay. I don't remember the first couple, so probably five or six I remember. Okay. Yeah, a lot of movement. Okay, and where did you spend the most out of those times? Where did you spend the most time, or is there a place that kind of? I guess it would be North Battleford, because okay. that's when uh, that would have been grade oh grade eight. Okay. I was in landed in North Battleford, so the rest of my life has been in North Battleford okay. since from grade eight. Okay, and I guess you naturally feel like you are able to. Maybe connect with some students who have had transient upbringings so. as well. Very much so. School was the rock solid foundation. Okay. Absolutely 
the same pattern, the same schedule. People were different, obviously, yeah. but you knew what to expect. Sure. There was still an adult at the front of the room. Yeah. You knew there was going to be a desk, yeah. right? That's an interesting yeah. point. Even if you're at a different school or something like that, Absolutely. it's still the same, similar yeah. structure yeah. in that reality. So. Yeah. Um, okay, and, and what, did, what did home and family look like uh, when you were growing up? Siblings? Things mm-hmm. like I had... Uh, I have two younger sisters. The youngest one is 11. I was 11 when she was born. Okay. So, uh, and we were very transient. We moved a lot. When we moved to Regina, my mother was going, uh, she applied for as a like 30-year-old woman into the College of Nursing. Okay. So she became an RN. Uh, so there was this huge amount of freedom. And let's be honest, it was like the early 80s. Kids just did stuff differently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was a key on a piece of yarn, and yeah. you would just go home after school. No sure. one was there. Yeah. So we would walk to school. We lived at the south end of Regina, the south end of Pasco Street, um, before there was any Louvain development. Okay. And so we would walk to Dr. A. E. Perry School okay. by the Southland Mall, kind of down in that area. Okay. And she finished her nursing. She took a job in North Battleford at the South Hospital. So we went, my sister and I, I mean, my youngest was just little, the youngest sister, but the middle child, the middle sister and I, we went from Regina, full-on freedom. Yeah. You want to ride the bus to Cornwall Center in grade three, four? Sure, go ahead. You know what to do. You take the money, you put it in, you get off and you get off. Yeah. And we moved to Battleford. Okay. We could literally watch tumbleweeds go down the street. (laughs) You'd cough at school, and the pharmacist would ask you, "Oh, oh, so and so, I heard wasn't feeling good. Is yeah. she feeling better?" Oh, what? <laughs> Very much. So that was um, always sisters around, uh, and, and you know, every family is different. So every family's dynamics are different. When there's adults and parents who are have a hard time functioning. It makes an impression as a child, it makes an impression on you. Mm-hmm. But when you always have a mom who steps up, mm-hmm. it's you can do it, it'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that was family. Sure. That was family. Yeah. Okay. And what would you say, even just reflecting on that, mm. um, what would you say were your keys to health? Um, with, you know, with transiency and mm-hmm. it just, there's just an, you know, I think there's a, as a desire for stability. I think that's Absolutely. just a human a human trait. And, and for a number of reasons, we can find ourselves moving and changing and whatnot. But what, what did you say were your kind of anchors or keys to health? Because up? there was family members outside of the nuclear family. So I had grandparents to go to and sure. farms to go to. I had aunts and uncles. Uh, my mom was only 17 years older than me. Okay. So her, and she was the oldest of her siblings. So... I had aunts and uncles that were like 11 years older than me, okay. 15 years old, like yeah. literally, yeah. you know, could be cousins, sure. but they're not, they're yeah. aunts and uncles. When you have someplace safe to land, yeah. you get through, yeah. you get through, absolutely. Excellent. Yeah. And it just, it brings to mind, even uh, reflecting on our students at school, you know, yes. just the need, obviously the role we play as teachers, EA support staff, yeah. in providing uh, that normalcy and that, that structure and that yes. uh, consistency um, what is that six schools I was at I, yeah. I lost track it there was no one at school fixing anything that was going on yeah at home yeah but they were there yeah. when I showed up yeah there was always going to be someone there and it's school in Saskatchewan that school never closes if it's school time it's school time doesn't matter if it's 40 below or yeah. what right yeah. the doors are always open yeah. if it's time for school yeah 
absolutely a guaranteed place to be. Yeah. No matter what was going on, you can go there. Yeah. Yeah. And and even if I mean if you're listening as a staff member and maybe you feel like a great weight of am I doing enough and, and am I you know am I reaching out enough? Did I hear that student what they were really saying? Am I providing just the reality that you're you're being yourself and you're providing um, you know your classroom, your environment, your structure, and, and the love and care that you do give in in in, uh, in what you do as as EAs and teachers. Just providing that consistency it's is really a huge step. Drop your shoulders. Yeah. Do what you can. Yeah. As uh, Dr. Carrington says, do the next best kind right thing. Mm-hmm. And then go home and try to be the next best kind right person for your chi- for your kids yeah. and for your spouse. Yeah. Because that's where your second job is too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And and like we've been hearing too, uh, always be available to give grace to yourself mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah. Um, try. <laughs> try. <laughs> for sure. Well, thanks for sharing that, uh, Rochelle. Um, so then from uh, from MBCHS, uh, you said you reflected on the jobs you had and then you said you went to you went to school, back to school after I did. Yeah, high I school? went to and at that time the Northwest Regional College actually had an early childhood education program okay. and it was a year long. And it was Monday to Friday, 8 to 4, and I was so jealous. My friends would say I was at U of S, I only had classes twice a week, and yeah. I would just be like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you need to come to college. <laughs> and at the time, um, Jamie Town was teaching math at the comp. Okay. His wife, Michelle Town, was actually one of the instructors for the early, child, early childhood. So I did the first year here, and it was, I think they called it early childhood development, and then you could take your second year. You go to SIAST in Saskatoon. Well, it used to be called SIAST. Yeah. Um, now it's SAS Polytech. And you would take second year uh, early childhood education. And that basically took you to the next level if you wanted to run a facility that had early childhood. If you wanted to uh, implement more of a managerial aspect to it, you could. Sure. Yeah. You could. Yeah. And then that was... I did some university classes. Yeah. I dabbled yeah. in my teaching degree. Yeah. I did. I took all I could in North Battleford. Yeah. The oh, except statistics. I didn't take statistics. I just. <laughs> so you, you were you're dabbling towards being I a teacher. I was dabbling. Or education. The problem is, what's the expression, Jeremy? Um, when you've seen to, I've seen how they make the sausage. Yeah. Too many teachers in my family. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I couldn't. I just couldn't pull the trigger on okay. it. I wasn't there. Yeah. And I knew I wanted to be in a school. Uh, I looked at what my family members were doing, and I said, "I, I, yeah, I, I don't know." Yeah. <laughs> and of course, I had a mom that was working shift work, right? Because she yeah. was an RN. And I went, "I, I want to be home with my kids when I have kids. Yeah, I want to walk out of the school and still have something left over sure. to give. Yeah, because that was so important to me. Yeah. right. Had yeah. nothing to do with the job. Sure, it was all a personal." What can I do after 3.30 that's mm-hmm. still going to make a difference as well? Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, I did that. Okay. <laughs> okay. A question I've asked a, f- a number of mm. times. What did, what did 10-year-old Rochelle want to do when she grew up? Oh, my gosh. My sister's going to laugh when she listens to this because she'll remember. <laughs> I loved playing library. Oh, okay. my gosh. If I could have been a librarian. <gasps> I remember asking the librarian. There used to be a bus that came around to the Southland Mall. And it was the portable library. Okay. And you could like ride down by yourself, literally in grade three. Who does that? That's what you did though, back yeah. in the days. And I asked the lady, how do you get this job? 
like, how do you do this for a living? And she said, oh, sweetheart, six or seven years. Well, you might have told me that I had to live on Mars. Like, it was just, there was no way that was going to happen. Yeah. So I didn't, I just put it aside. Sure. Make little cards in the back of the books. Yeah. All the Little House in the Prairie books yeah. had little sign out cards on the back. <laughs> My gosh. The mm. most pitiful thing you ever see. So. Loved books. Loved books. Your your passion for the Dewey Decimal System did not <gasps> translate into statistics. No, no, it did not. I loved the cards and the drawers. You okay. pull out those old wooden drawers and all those little manila, and they were always yes, typed absolutely. perfectly. Yeah. Oh, it appealed to my organizational little love. <laughs> oh, loved it. I'm sensing some yellow in the no. color spectrum. The color spectrum. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Good. Um, Tell me about some of your hobbies that you have outside of, outside of your work I'm at so school. so boring. <laughs> I'm so boring. I like, I like reading fluff. I always say there's enough reality in my reality. Sure. So I don't need, I don't need more reality to yeah. read. So I, I read fluff and I like to putter in the yard in yeah. the summer. Yeah. Um, not necessarily vegetables, much to my husband's chagrin because okay. he'd have a huge garden if he could. Yeah. But I like flowers and perennials especially. Sure. Yeah. Okay. That's what I like to do. Be Sounds outside. good. Well, and, and you don't have to worry about saying you're boring because <laughs> as an EA uh, and teachers, people working in school, you give and you oh. give and you give and you give a lot and you give a lot to situations that maybe don't seem like they're, the needle's moving a whole lot yes. sometimes. Yes. And so when, when it's time to be at home, it's time to recharge as well. Yes. And if that means reading stuff where your brain doesn't have to be so engaged or... Playing in the dirt. Absolutely. Uh, my wife is huge on gardening too, oh. uh, and so for sure you yeah. don't have to worry about that. You don't have to be <laughs> good. You That's don't good to know. Have to be jumping out of airplanes, uh, <laughs> parachuting, and stuff uh, in your spare time. So, <laughs> good. Okay. Uh, tell us. Um, tell us what family looks like for you now. Oh, so now. Um, 25 years this summer, I remind my husband. We've been married. So I've been married to Clint for 25 years 25? this summer. 25? Yes. Wow. Congratulations. As, oh, you're, thank you. As he says at parties, my wife tells me we're very happily married. Yeah. <laughs> and so one, I mean, even before the microphone turned on here for our podcast, um, I think one of the reasons you've been married for 25 years is because he kind of looks like Clint Eastwood. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> well, he's got some attitude sometimes, but okay. no, he's good. He makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you described him with a little bit more uh, well, before we started. True enough. <laughs> well, yeah. And I've got uh, two sons. So okay. one's 20 and one's going to be, oh, oh, sweetness. He's going to be 18. 18. How does that happen? Wow. Oh, goodness. Okay. Good stuff. And oh, so goodness. Sam and Jack. Right? Sam and Jack. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, and yeah, um, what are some of the, uh, is there any highlights and things you guys enjoy doing as a family? Or? I, you know, I've always said, I don't understand why wives don't like to go ice fishing and fishing more often. Okay. You sit next to the person and you hold onto the fishing rod and they put the stuff on and they take the stuff off and <laughs> you have sunflower seeds and sometimes there's like a trashy book to read. <laughs> I don't understand why more people don't enjoy this. They love, they love being outside. So when we can, we go quadding, sure. uh, we go skidooing if we can. Oh gosh, I'm supposed to say sledding. That's old terms. Yeah, I can't yeah. say skidooing. Oh, it's not are, a skidoo, yeah. Rochelle. The kids okay. are saying sledding. I know, so sledding. Um, we like camping yeah. a lot, yeah. That's awesome. I grew up uh, multiple summers camping, and that was in the days when there was like no electricity. 
So like when you're going camping for four or five weeks with no electricity, wow, hardcore camping. Yeah, four or five weeks. <laughs> four or five weeks. Wow, I've done that for a couple of days. Oh, <laughs> and that was at Greenwater Good Spirit Lake down okay. south. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so that that was those would be your sentimental campgrounds. Yeah, okay. yeah. Haven't been for your fishing lake. Okay. Yeah. And have you? What's the biggest fish you pulled out ice fishing? <gasps> oh my. I'm gonna say a walleye. Okay. I can't tell you how big it is, how, how much it weighs, because I don't remember. But it was this big. <laughs> well, that's huge. If you can see what I see. Right okay, <laughs> and I didn't actually take it off the hook, and I didn't actually hold it. <laughs> you just need a picture. That's all you okay. need. Okay, good. Okay, good. <laughs> good stuff. Okay. Um, what does your What does your life look like? Uh, I guess just bridging back to mm -hmm. some of the school stuff. Uh, 17 years you've been at the comp. What does your life look like uh, as an EA? Tell me about your role specifically right now. So right now it's full-time uh, dyslexia reading program. So this is students who've been diagnosed uh, with a dyslexia or dyslexic-like tendencies. Sure. And I work in conjunction with another EA, Janet Beauregard. There are 21, 21, 20 students on our um, caseload. I'm going to call it a caseload because yeah. that's all we do right now. Sure. Yeah. It was not always like that. It sure. was hit and miss, pulling here and there, whatever you could for different classes, right? And yeah. then you go do Barton. So this is full-time Barton. So this this reading program is, I'm going to say the words life-altering okay. for me and wow. the students. Yeah. This is not, it's individual. So the Barton program was created um, to help students who have dyslexia learn to read but it's done in a way that is it is scriptured uh, not scriptured um, yeah it's scripted okay. so it's scripted you yeah. read but then you pull in all of the other tools that Barton gives the adult okay to teach these students how to associate because dyslexia is it's a learning disorder that involves difficulty reading because they have problems identifying speech sounds and learning how those sounds relate to letters and words. Gotcha. So what normally happens, I'm just saying commonly, because you can be mild to profoundly dyslexic. There's, it's a whole spectrum of different levels. So kindergarten, grade one, grade two, grade three, they can kind of get through because they memorize. So they memorize the words. It's very situational. They recognize that word from the story, yeah. from the pictures. Sure. And then the wheels start to fall off the bus a little bit, usually grade four, or five, grade six. Yeah. And they're not, it's like, this is inconsistent. Yeah. These are really intelligent, bright students. Why can't they, why can't they read yeah. and write yeah. the way to the level that they're, they're conversing and they're orally telling you what's going on in yeah. the story, but they can't write those words. So Barton took this program that was based on um, Orton Gillingham. So that was two, two creators way back in 1930s. But they broke it down into very explicit, direct levels and stages and steps that explains the logic of the English language, okay. which makes people laugh because they're like, it's so illogical. No, there's rules for English. Yeah. We just aren't taught them. Yeah. We just pick it up, especially people who like to be in school yeah. and like reading. For sure. yeah. We just get it. Yeah. So the, the example I give to people sometimes is, Okay, what's the word? Um, the word church. Sure. Ch. Well, ch. Is it always ch? But there's words like catch. That's tch. Yeah. 
How do I know what the heck? Well, there's a reason for it. TCH can only come after a short vowel. Okay. CH is the other option for spelling. Well, okay, what about CK and K and sometimes C? Yeah, there's reasons for that. So we step them through right from square one, which is phonemic awareness. Some students don't recognize the sound that each letter makes. Most of the sounds they might get. Yeah. X is a hard one. They're not yeah. actually sure what sound does that X act. Sure. Not all of them. Yeah. Okay, some. So it steps right back to the beginning yeah. of phonemic awareness and then builds and builds and builds and builds. So the question always is, if this program is so amazing, why aren't we doing this in elementary schools? Yeah. You can't. Barton is made for one-on-one. -on -one. Okay. You need at least two hours a week with a student. So if you're trying to do a group of three students, you need two hours a week per student, which means actually six hours a week for that group. Well, mm -hmm. you're not gaining anything then. Yeah. So the program works when it's done with fidelity. So if you follow everything they tell you to do, yeah. there's reading skills, spelling skills, comprehension, sentence structure, phrasing. Yeah. It all gets worked together and woven together in this beautiful program that you have to, as the adult, submerge yourself in. So I can read a script, yeah. and I say it quite often, oh, you need me to go to a calculus class? No problem, give me the script, I'll read it. Yeah. I don't know what's going on though. Yeah. So yeah, you can have someone step into it, but they have to sit down and just dump in, jump into that deep end of the pool of dyslexia and the Barton program and make it work. And that's, anyone can do it, yeah. You just have to want to do everything that's needed to be done. Yeah. yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. That's, wow. Okay. Like, if there's any question that you are the right person oh, to be leading I that program. not wow. the professional. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, I can just tell your knowledge and your passion and just like, wow. Like the concept of dyslexia is a huge one. Yeah. Derek Hoiseth, um is the educational psychologist, one of them, yeah. here at the school, at the division office. Yeah. Please. You can reach out to people if you have questions. It's okay. And I'm not always the one person that's going to have the answer, but I'll direct you to someone who has a higher level yeah. <laughs> of education in this topic. Wow. That's, uh, that's fantastic. Um, out of your uh, other 17 years, how, mm -hmm. how long have you been doing the Barton program, I should say? You know what? I was talking to Janet about this and I said, when, when was this? Ah, the grade eights came over. Okay. So I think this was, oh, 2013. Okay, I think, don't quote me, but I think it was 2013, the grade eights came to the comp. Okay. There were students who had a BART programming going on already in their elementary school. Yeah. So Michelle Beavers was the SST at that time in that grade group, grade group and she said, okay, we have to continue this. Yeah. Uh, you and you, Janet, Michelle, yeah. you're gonna do this. Yeah. So we took stuff home over the summer and learned it yeah. and started the program and right from square one because we didn't know. Okay. But because it's scripted, yeah. because someone else has laid out that program, because the SST has told us what we need to do, yeah. we can implement that program. Okay. Right? I would never be able to go in and say, you're dyslexic. That's what the educational psychologist is, is going to do yeah. or dyslexic like tendencies. But we can implement that program and it's a big program. <laughs> 
Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's a big program. It's fantastic. And for anybody uh, listening who's just like, oh, I don't really see Rochelle around oh. you know, very much, it's because you're a hold away <laughs> you in know that what? room all day long, and you were working like crazy with Janet in that room. It's, sometimes the students are okay with us, the door being open, especially yeah. the students that we've had for three or four years. Sure. But other students are like, can we close the door, please? Yeah. Please, can we close the door? Because they're just not ready. Absolutely, okay? yeah, so for it's, sure. it's closed a lot. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, yes, thank you for all the work you guys are doing in there. Um, prior to, so I guess when you came over in 2004, 2005, mm. was there another memorable role as an EA you had before the Barton reading? Oh my gosh. So I've always described being an EA as you're like the Red Cross. So you go where mm. the need is greatest. Yeah. Okay. I started my first job. Like, it's crazy. The student was in kindergarten, so she had spina bifida and encephalitis. So she had leg braces, a body brace. Mm -hmm. She had uh, a shunt you had to be careful of because that was surgically implanted. She had a walker and she had a wheelchair. You had physiotherapy, occupational therapy. And once she was in school full time, she had to be catheterized. So it was like right from my first job. This is your job. You're here to help and assist. Okay, what does the student need? Yeah. What do they need to be successful? What can I do to assist the teacher so that that student can be successful? So I've done everything, Jeremy. Oh, <laughs> like, awesome. honestly. That's awesome. I think the only thing I haven't worked with, I haven't worked with students who are blind sure. or deaf. I've done sign language, rudimentary sign language. Um, every, every diagnosis, every situation, every student having an issue, if you name it, I've probably worked with it. Yeah. And you just do it. Yeah. You just do it. That's what the student needs. Yeah. Wow. So you just do it. We are we are blessed to have you. <laughs> oh no, it's just it time. And you have It's just wow. time. You, you talk to people after they've been working for a lot of years. Yeah. <laughs> they will have had life experiences, right? That yeah. have taken them through There's, stuff. That's wow, it's just fantastic and uh, to be able to do all that you have and to just carry that experience with you and to translate that into further effectiveness for kids is, is just awesome. Um, what would you say are some of your intrinsic core values? That oh, that's a good question. There's two. I don't want to be too long, but I can, tell you, can I tell you two stories? Because yeah. it sums up, un- embarrassingly, it sums up me. Okay, so imagine a little six-year-old girl who begs to get her ears pierced. Is that okay? All right, so she's yeah. begging. People are telling her, don't do it, it's gonna hurt. You know it's gonna hurt, it's going to hurt. I listened to them, I heard what they were saying, no, I want my ears pierced. Yeah. So we're downtown Melville, you go get your ears pierced, and the shocking betrayal of how much it hurts, as if no one had ever told you <laughs> how much it was going to hurt. I'd listened to them, yeah. I, had, I had absorbed what they said, but you're too little, you don't understand. So this, overwhelming sense of betrayal walking on the streets of Melville Melville with my mom and I looked at other women as we were walking and I still remember this and I realized they have their ears pierced they went through it too and so did her and so did her and all of these women did it they have their ears pierced and my next thought was are they still okay are they okay does it still hurt do they need a cold washcloth? Because that's what mom would put on after, you know, like, yeah. do the immediate sensation and awareness. All of these people have experienced this pain. Are they okay? Is there anything I can do to help them? Hmm. So that was the first moment I knew I yeah. liked helping people. Sure. 
the next one that really summed up why I can still be patient after all this time is my oldest child. <laughs> oh, Jack, I love you. Wanted to go to a, a soiree that's not held within the city limits, usually on someone's farm or acreage. Sure. Us old people used to call them a bush party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, oh, okay, Jack, you got to give me a minute. Just give me a second. Because I can physically remember the sensation of you being little and mm-hmm. me carrying you on your on my hip. Mm-hmm. Like I can still do it now. If you close your eyes, yeah. as a parent, you can yeah. still physically remember the sensation of picking up a small toddler. And I thought, how how did this happen? He used to be so little, and now he wants to. Of course, he went, and it was all good. But I was standing at No Frills, and I was watching a woman rock, and there was no child in the shopping cart. Sure, groceries. Okay. She was rocking the shopping cart. Hmm. And I went, oh, she's had, ch- she's had children. On a cellular DNA, Yeah, it has altered who you are. And now you look at a student in the hallway. And yeah, they're in grade 7 or 8 or 17 yeah. or 18. They used to be little. They used to be so small that someone who loved them and cared for them could pick them up and put them on their hip, mm-hmm. could carry them upstairs to bed. Mm-hmm. They were so little. So I had that moment with my own child, and I realized if I can't find the patience anymore, if I'm just so, gosh, I can't find it anymore for a student, I'm going to find the grace because of the respect I have for the adults that sure. used to carry them. For the moms, at that point it was about a mom, right? For the mom that used to carry that child around on her hip. They are worth the extra effort, even with they're making decisions that are go congruent to what's going to make them successful in life. (laughs) I will try again tomorrow because the moms deserve that moment of grace and say, I see what you did. And look, he's gotten so big or she's gotten so tall. Mm -hmm. And we're going to try again tomorrow because somebody loves them. And somebody had them when they were little. You lose that sight as they get bigger. Because you're supposed to. They're supposed to leave your house. They're supposed to leave the school. But sometimes you have to dig for that little moment of grace because of what other parents have gone through. And you go, yeah, okay, let's do it again and again. Yeah. And again, not a, not about dyslexia, just per, just children in general. Yeah, just children in general. Because yeah. they're all good, till they're not. Sure. <laughs> that's what I figured about mine, and yeah. I realized yeah. oh, that's all of them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's me. Yeah. <laughs> that's everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there any teachers uh, that stick out to you? From, oh, this is whether this is from your own. Right. Experience as a student or yeah. in education yourself? You know what? Mrs. Ledke and Mrs. Mule, honest to Pete, they were two elementary te- um, teachers at Dr. A.E. Perry School in Regina. They would be shocked if I still remember their names. Okay. They didn't do anything fantastic. They weren't spinning plates at the front of the room or anything. They were just nice ladies and they were kind and they saw me. Yeah. Now, at the school, I've sat in the back of a lot of classrooms Poor teachers, another adult is walking in and sitting at the back of the room, right, while they teach. It's just, there's been some wonderful experiences. From my own personal, he's going to laugh when he sees us, and he's going to smile and shake his head 
Lyndon Heinemann was my grade seven teacher okay. at Alexander Junior High. He wasn't fantastic. He wasn't like he wasn't doing anything wonderfully over the top, but he was such a good teacher. He was so good. Yeah. George Watson was another teacher I had. He was at Alexander Junior High as well. Um, amazing classroom control, okay. and boy, I liked their teaching styles. Yeah. I really did. Yeah. yeah. Our school is so lucky. There's so many good teachers in our school. Yeah. I had the privilege of being in Lindy Belgatsky's English class when she was teaching grade nine English. Okay. Oh, she's a good teacher. Okay. She's a good teacher. <laughs> oh, but I could list and list and list and list yeah. and list and list, right? Sure. Yeah. Sure. What would you say would be um, like one of the essential or two of the essential ingredients to being a good teacher from your perspective? Classroom control. Okay. Number one. Um... Gosh, that's a. They need to be kind. Okay. Yeah, and not 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 kind like no boundaries, no yeah. no 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 no. There's there's lines in the sand, right? Yeah. Absolutely, there's boundaries and there's stuff like that. But, gosh, when you can go to them with problems, like when students can, what a difference that makes. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, you'd mentioned too with George and, and Lindy mm-hmm. too, maybe the teaching style. A yes, bit. yeah. It, it's sometimes it's hard to put it into words. It was that they controlled the classroom. Okay. But there was still freedom. Sure. Like I didn't realize as a child what was going on in grade. Like yeah, you don't. Yeah. You just know, but you knew you could go so far and no farther. Yeah. Right. And there was fun activities and there was stuff that we did. It was, I don't know, but I, I personally, of course, I would like that structure because yeah. that's who I am, right? But, oh, they were good teachers. Yeah. They really were. Oh, that's excellent. Um, okay. What do you want people to say about you, Rochelle, at your funeral? Oh. This is well, the question. when I'm a hundred, <laughs> they say, holy cow, those <laughs> last 40 years in, in Hawaii, they were awesome for her. She looks fabulous. <laughs> I want them to say she was kind. She showed up. Um, she saw me. Mm-hmm. She wasn't trying to cure cancer. She just wanted to do the best things she could that day. Mm-hmm. But she had the patience to do it again and again and again. Um, and it wasn't time to quit until it was time to quit. Yeah. 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 And. I think I could even add to that, Rochelle, not to add to what you would feel you would want people to say to you, but I just feel like students and people mm-hmm. are safe in your care. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. And uh, and I think some people are going to say that. Mm-hmm. And, and students and adults oh. are blessed to be in your care in whatever capacity yeah. they are. Thank you. Absolutely. Okay. Transition to... Our espresso round. Okay. Our quick hitters, and you have been. I'm prepping. You have right now, not mentally. been prepared at. You've been prepared. <laughs> you haven't been prepared at all for these. And these are going to be. Okay. Quick hitters. I give us the best answer that uh, first comes to mind. Okay, bring it. And we'll roll. <laughs> best meal you've ever eaten. Oh, <gasps> it was location. I was sitting on the rooftop restaurant of Fleetwoods in in um, Lahaina, in Maui. And you're looking, it was just, it, honest to goodness, for the old people, it was like Magnum P.I. could drive around the corner at any minute. It was wonderful. It was beautiful. <laughs> that sounds like the best meal. It was! <laughs> Fair enough. Next question. Uh, celebrity you wanted to meet growing up? Oh, goodness gracious. 
I thought Michael Landon would be amazing. Because yeah. Little House of the Prairie was huge at that time, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I wanted to be Michael Landon. Did you really? Yeah, for a while. He, you, you should try the beard. You should see. <laughs> <laughs> okay, nickname your parents used to call you? Oh. Or relatives, too. Could be grandparents, could be cousins. Okay, I'm going to tell you because my name is spelled R-O-C-H. Yeah. Okay, so my sister calls me Roach. That's the nickname. Sure. That's the nickname. Because it's R-O-C-H, people. That's why. Okay. Okay, not said. This is, this is off limits to anybody else, right? Is well, I mean, that's, I probably won't be too offended, whatever. <laughs> okay. Uh, who's the most played band, musician, etc. Oh. on your phone? Oh, okay. I live with people that love to play music. Yeah. So Spotify is a living, breathing entity at our house. It is completely situational. If you're eating pasta, yep. Pavarotti's going to be singing Nessun Dorma at some oh, point. Wonderful. If you are dancing in the kitchen, there's probably going to be 90s country. If you are working out or doing stuff, there's going to be some hard rock. If you are trying to study or do something that's really quiet, probably some any Like literally the full spectrum. <laughs> sure. Okay. Foo Fighters are going to be playing at some point. Yeah. Uh, isn't that horrible about the drummer? I'm so sad to hear about him passing away. Oh, oh man. man. Anyways, um, yeah. so it's completely situational. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Um, what are some What is some wise advice that you were told growing up? It wasn't growing up. It was recently. Dr. Carrington said a phrase. She said, "Drop your shoulders. Yeah. Take a breath." Okay. Okay. This too. Oh, Grandma. This too will pass. So you think you got things like totally organized, ready to go. You're set. You've got happy days. It's awesome. This too will pass, child. Okay. <laughs> Not everything good is going to last. Yeah. Prepare yourself. But when the bad stuff comes, this too will pass. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you may have mentioned this a little bit before. Mm. What recharges you the most? Being outside. Quiet. I need the quiet. Sure. Yeah. Are you, uh, it drives are you... the kids nuts. I turn the volume off right away in the vehicle. Okay. It's like, just need some quiet. Yeah. Just need some quiet. Yeah. Fair enough. What is the best age? Oh, sweet baby Jesus. Where did you get these questions? <gasps> What's the best age? Oh, I turned 50. I'm going to say 50. Yes. Just send it. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's just put 50 on that block right That's there. That's wonderful. <laughs> Number one item on your bucket list. I would love, oh my gosh, my husband doesn't even know this. I would love to take my husband and my sons to some pubs in England. Oh, wonderful. And if not England, Scottish Highlands. Okay. The farther north you go in Scotland, yeah. the closer you get to the personalities of farmers in Saskatchewan. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> and pubs that play music, right? That's why you yeah. would go, oh, my husband Clint would love that. He would love it. That would be a bucket list for me. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, if you could meet any person, whether they're alive now or oh, previously passed on. I'm supposed to say something like where I'm like trying to enhance my like knowledge. I'm supposed to say like Ruth Bader Ginsburg yeah. or or like Nelson Mandela or you know who I really want to sit and talk with? Absolutely. Dolly Parton. Oh, I wonderful. think she would be a hoot. I think she would be awesome to sit with and just chat. Oh, That's wouldn't that fantastic. be fun? That could happen. I mean, oh my gosh. That could still Let's happen. put it out there, universe. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Maybe she's listening in. <laughs> and you go, Dolly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And the last question, who would you like to see as a guest on this podcast? I was going to say you, but Lynn Tom bit me, um, beat me to it. <laughs> so I'm going to say Becky Tucker. Okay. Okay. Those quiet... Yeah. yeah. I would like to just... Can yeah. you just pry that open and we can just dive into yeah, Becky Tucker? Totally. 
That sounds great. <laughs> that sounds great. Okay, thank you so much, Rochelle, for Thank you for having me. Being here. What a joy. Oh, this was uh, an absolute pleasure, and just thank you for the work that you do and continue to do at our school for our students and uh, just being a uh, just a, a colleague on staff too, you know, just being around. There's a mantra that I've had for years. It says it's a joy and a privilege to work with children and young adults. It's a joy and a privilege to work with children and young adults. It's September, it's a, it's a mantra. Yeah. By June, it's like, it's a joy and a privilege to work with you because you're just ready, right, yeah. to be. But it is, it is my privilege. Yeah. It is my privilege. I'm in the right place. I like what I do. I really do. We are so blessed to have Oh, thanks, thank Jeremy. Thank you so much. Okay. It's time to thank the amazing people who make MBCHS Over Coffee podcast possible. Producing, recording, technology, my friend Ryan Kabelski, the man. Podcast cover art, Miss Elizabeth Millard. Staff photographs, Mr. Mark Kachorik. And intro music, Madison Hemmerling. Catch him on Apple Music with his band, The Gladstone. What's your husband's name? Clint. Clint. Like the Eastwood. Yes. Is he like manly, like the old school? Oh my God. He is, yeah, he's like six and a half feet tall. Really? He's like a firefighter for, full-time firefighter for like 20 years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That sounds like you're going to make some people jealous. Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be the first one to say, oh, Rochelle. <laughs> and then Thursday, you guys are up for yes. pictures. So I'll get myself all pretty fied. Yeah. Typically, we've done pictures like where you chose the background, which is preferable. But Mark had mentioned it's maybe getting a little much sometimes to let he, I was just going to let him choose. Okay. Mark just choose the place. Because he's got page. like the umbrellas. Yes. It's like a pro. Thing. No, it's it's his choice, okay. I think. <laughs> Dealer's choice on that day, not me. Okay. And I am so beyond grateful. I'm going to let him call all the shots. He's really good at it too. <gasps>